This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this Monday, December 19th, we welcome you to Real Talk. What a weekend. Bit of a whirlwind. It's holiday party season. Not going to lie, I'm a quart low today, Ryan. You're a quart low. Yeah, we'll get you all topped up by the end of the show. This is going to be a fast-moving <laughs> one. We're headed We're headed out to uh, to Qatar in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, we got my man DVD. Derek Van Deest has been, has been covering soccer for many years. Yeah. Uh, one of Canada's certainly most well-read and most recognizable soccer journalists. He's, he's, he's talking to us for a few minutes. He's like on his way to the airport, so we, we can't delay. We'll get Charles Adler in his typical Monday spot, and then there's mm-hmm. a follow-up. I'm really excited. Excited about this to a conversation we had last week, a real talker who grew up in a house that kept a pet bison <laughs> in the house. You've got the bison. And he's going to join us on the show. So I'm looking forward to that. Fantastic. We've got lots to talk about. You and I teared it up on Friday night. Uh, Johnny and I at the Apex oh, Automation gosh. Christmas party. We had so much fun. And I'll tell you a little bit about the Kubi Renewable Energy Christmas Party as well. Uh, they present positive reflections later in the show. So we, we got to catch up. We got to regroup. Typically, we'll ease into a Monday show because we want to take our time. And nobody loves people hitting the ground, tires smoking on a Monday morning. We want to kind of we want to kind of be chill on a Monday, except for like we said, uh, time is an important consideration for our leadoff guest this morning. He's been over in Qatar covering the World Cup. You probably follow him if, if you give a rip about sports on twitter at derek van deest and he's kind enough uh, to join us here on real talk uh derek where, where do we see you uh exactly where do we catch you this morning or, or this evening i guess in qatar yeah it's evening i'm in i'm in doha qatar here i'm at uh, one of the main malls the city center mall in doha qatar uh they've already started taking down the media center and and uh, uh one of the stadiums have actually started tearing down there was only going to be a temporary stadium so i'm here at the at the uh, city center mall just doing some last minute Christmas shopping and then getting on a flight in a few hours. So everyone's go. getting FIFA stuff for Christmas here yeah. at the, hey, the Vandy's household. Yeah, well, everybody's, I'm sure, going to be very appreciative. There's something uh, very special about the World Cup, to be sure. Um, acknowledging some of the controversy around where it was in Qatar. What a unique experience for you. We'll talk about the bigger picture experience in just a second, but how are you wrapping your mind around what more than a billion viewers saw yesterday? Argentina v. France. France and in what's being described as one of the greatest championship finals in sporting history. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was un- unbelievably exhilarating being in that stadium. And I think, uh, like, I've been to some great sporting events. I was at Game 7 of Stanley Cup Final in 2006. Uh, I've been to uh, European, uh, you know, championships. I've been to the Women's World Cup Final. Uh, just but the, the exhilaration of that final being there and just the tension you could feel in the entire stadium was like 90,000 people there. And it was it, it got to me. It was like it was so tense. I usually write during the game and kind of peek it up on my laptop. And it got to a point where I just had to close the laptop and just soak it all in. It was just such a fantastic atmosphere and such a fantastic game. And, and you know, when when 85 to 90 percent of the planet is pulling for one team and one player in particular to win the game. Uh, there's a lot of stress that goes on there, and we were surrounded by Argentina fans, and it was just a, it was just an amazing atmosphere overall. It's been an amazing tournament. Um, just everything is so unique about it, and I thought it was it was a fitting end way to end the, the tournament because I thought honestly this was one of the best World Cup tournaments I've actually been a part of. I've been a part of two, 
um, and one of the best I've seen. So I just, it just, the uniqueness of it, I think, was was really that that, that hits home. You're never going to get a tournament like this where seven of the eight stadiums are within 50 kilometer radius of downtown Doha, and the other one is about an hour away. So uh, it's just uh, just a great tournament, and I think everyone here on the ground has had a fantastic time. It's just been a real real camaraderie to this tournament and everyone's really had a lot of fun. You, you've got two of the game's biggest stars going head to head and, and, and obviously France kind of waited. I mean, you can describe the ebb and flow of a game better than I can, but, but for the longest time, I mean, for at least the first 60 minutes, I think people saw Argentina up two nil and they figured that that was maybe the way it was going to go. And then it's just, just all hell broke loose in the best kind of a way. And uh, and you get a hat trick from the French superstar. You've got you've got arguably the greatest player of all time, Argentinian star Messi, obviously, uh, who who gets his World Cup uh, championship and what he confirmed would would be his his last game. What was it like to be in that stadium? Did you did you think did the crowd assume that Argentina had this thing all wrapped up as well and, until it really started to unfold the way that it did? Or what vibe were you picking up? Yeah, no, it seemed that way. It seemed that this was a coronation of probably the greatest player that's ever played. And and uh, when they were up 2 nothing, I think a lot of people thought, okay, this is going to be great. They're going to roll to this victory. And and the Argentina fans were already partying in the stands. And I tell you, they, if you haven't seen these these fans live, they're just fantastic. It's just a matter of the intricacy of the songs and then just the way they, they kind of coordinate everything. And, there's, and there was more Argentina fans here than I think uh, any other team, maybe with the exception of Morocco and Saudi Arabia, which is a little closer to get to, but they were just so fantastic. And it was a party atmosphere into the second half. And then the last 10 minutes, it went quiet. It, like After the, the first goal by Kylian Mbappe made it 2-1, I think a lot of people got a little nervous, but they thought, okay, 2-1, there's only seven minutes to go. We're going to be able to ride this out. And then he scores a minute later, and all of a sudden, 90,000 chanting Argentine fans really went quiet, and they got really tense in there really quickly. So it was just a great experience overall. Great to be in the building. And, and like I said, I didn't have a horse in the race, but I felt that tension. I felt, you know, the anxiety. And I can just imagine what, what the Argentina fans felt uh, when they went down to nothing and what France, French fans felt when their, their team tied it. It was just a, a fantastic roller coaster back and forth. And both teams had chances to win it at the end. Yeah. Both teams they had really good chances to win it. That's what made the game so exciting. It wasn't just. A two two, it could have been three two four three. Like it was just so many chances at the end of the game. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you get you get the extra time. You, you, it goes to the penalty kicks, which I have mixed feelings about. Do you want to chime in on that? I don't know. I don't know if championships should be decided by by penalty kicks. I know it's the tradition in that sport. Do you, you're a hockey guy as well. They would never do that. I yeah. mean, well, they do it in some tournaments, but but not in the yeah. national league. How do you feel about that? Well, you can't run these guys into the ground. Like you, they, they ran for 120 minutes and they, they, they gave everything they had and, and you get more substitutions now, but eventually the game has got to end. And to me, I'm not, I'm not, you know, no one wants to see a game end in penalty kicks. They'd rather see a game end uh, traditionally way, but there's a lot of skill and it takes a lot of courage to step up and take a penalty kick. And I think that that's part of the game as well. That, that really shows part of the, uh, of, of, of test the skills and, and the will of players. And I think um, I think it's part of the game. It's been part of the game for a long time, but you just can't keep going until somebody scores because then you'll be out there forever and it just becomes a, a safety concern for the players because they don't come off the field. It's not like hockey where you can go and rest and take a shift off and then get back out there for a minute. These guys are running hard for 120 minutes. It's like, 
It's like a marathon these guys are running, and, and you can't just say, just keep running, keep running, keep running until somebody wins. Yeah, fair enough. We're talking to Derek Van Deest, a post-media sports reporter over in Qatar covering the World Cup. If you're watching on YouTube, you're also seeing photos that have been generously supplied to us by Dale McMillan, uh, a remarkable photographer, as you can see. Uh, these images uh, captured, of course, including in that championship match uh, just yesterday, Argentina defeating France. Derek, before we let you go, I know you got to get to the airport. Totally appreciate you taking 10, 12 minutes to talk to us. The, the experience uh, of the Canadian men over there, w when you look back now, we have the luxury of looking back, the group they were in, uh, Belgian ranked among the best teams in the world, and, and then you've got Croatia and Morocco that both go on these unbelievable runs deep. I mean, that group proved to be one of the best in the tournament. How do you assess how the Canadian men performed, and, and what does that mean with regards to how you view that team and the program, for that matter, moving forward? Well, I think they, the Canadian men really turned some heads here, particularly in that first game against Belgium. I've had a lot of people come up to me and said, oh, you're from Canada. We were really impressed the way they played in that first game. And then you look at their group, you're right. Croatia and Morocco made it to the semifinals. So, uh, you know, they're two of the teams in their group were among the top four. Um, I thought just what happens at these tournaments is when you only have a three or four day turnaround between games, you really need that depth. You really need those 26 players and you got to use 25, 26 players. You can't have just 13 or 14 guys that you use in those three games. And I think this tournament really tested the depth of Canada. And they gave it so much in that first game against Belgium. And they were unlucky enough to get anything out of that game. And then I don't think they had a lot left in the tank for Croatia. And then uh, when Croatia won that game, I think they kind of regrouped and were able to put up a really good fight against Morocco and probably should have tied that game. But for the most part, I thought Canada fared well here. Uh, they came here and they showed that they can compete with some of the best teams in the world. They can compete at this level. And I think it's just a matter of, of keeping that ball rolling because in, right now, I think they were happy to be here. But in four years' time, they're going to be expected to get out of their group and, and, and get into one of those elimination games. So I think that's what they're building for. And I think they have the good young core to build around, but they just have to keep going and have to keep this ball rolling. And, and I think the big thing was when they, when they first qualified in 1986, everyone said, okay, that's going to be the start of something big. And it wasn't. It took 36 years to get back here. And I think you can't take that step back now. you got to kind of keep going and build on off this performance because it, it was a very good performance. Last question real quick. We've been debating this just for fun over the past week or so on the show. Who do you deem to be? And again, it's, it's a totally subjective question, so there's no wrong answer. Who's the more spectacular Canadian athlete right now, globally speaking? Is it Alfonso Davies or Connor McDavid? Well, I think Conor McDavid could walk down, uh, you know, a, a mall in, in Europe and probably not be recognized. I don't think Alfonso Davies can. And I think that's the, that's the big thing is Alfonso Davies has a massive global appeal right now. Um, his, 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 his picture is on the side of a skyscraper here in Doha. It's literally like 50 stories <laughs> and his picture is on the side of a skyscraper. It's amazing how they, what they've done here with, with the, the pictures on the skyscrapers. It's fantastic. But I just think just right now, um, Conor McDavid, is obviously a, a, the best hockey player probably that maybe ever lived, uh, just skill-wise, I guess, when you, when you talk about that. But I think just the global appeal, uh, Alfonso Davies would probably be a bit more recognized outside of North America than maybe Conor McDavid. There we go. Hey, man, this means a lot. Appreciate it. I know you've got a busy afternoon, uh, evening. you got to get yourself on a plane. Safe journey back home. You've done an amazing job covering the World Cup for Post Media. People can uh, read it all and follow you on Twitter at Derek Van Deese. Thanks for doing this. 
Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Back to his Christmas shopping. Another vote for Alfonso Davies. I tell you, what better gift than something from Qatar at the World Cup, right? The World Cup, and and what a finish. People are, did you watch it yesterday? Did you like Uh, pop in, pop out, watch a bit? I don't want to lie to you, Ryan. Don't lie. I didn't watch. That's okay. That's okay. You know, the majority of people on planet, and then on the planet I, I did con- not watch. I kind of regretted it because I saw how, like, like you don't often think a World Cup's going to end like that, especially when you see two teams like that. You think it's going to go nil-nil right to the end, sure. maybe penalty kicks. I was like, I'll tune in at the end. And then my Twitter just started lighting up. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, yeah. We had, was, uh, uh, you know, coach little guys hockey early Sunday. And of course, puck drop on their game on Sunday morning, the mm-hmm. exact same time that, that the World Cup final goes. And we're going, you got to be kidding me. But of course, we're happy to do it. And uh, and and so I'm, I'm trying to sort of check my phone without looking like I'm on my phone on the bench. You know, <laughs> I was supposed to be coaching hockey. And we see that it's 2-0 Argentina. And I just figured, I think like a lot of other people did, that that's it. That's the way it's going to go. Yeah. Good for Messi. Messi's going to get his World Cup title, and, and he can retire as as one of the richest athletes in human history. The guy's uh, became just the second athlete. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Just read this yesterday. I didn't know this. He became the second athlete to earn more than one billion dollars uh, career earnings Jeez. just on not including endorsements. So that's just salary. That's just his contract. Most of his money made with Barcelona over the years. You know, the first athlete to hit a billion mm-hmm. was Cristiano Ronaldo, also mm-hm. obviously a, a huge star in, in the world of football, in the world of soccer. So you figure, okay, well, good for Messi. We get home from, and in no particular rush either. You know, grabbed a coffee on the way home. We get home. I figure it's all said and done. Turn it on. And and within five minutes of turning it on, boom, France scores the first one. Boom, France scores the second one. And there you have it. Unbelievable. Insane. I love this. Uh, Carrie on our live chat, she says, that game was absolutely insane, and I'm not even a soccer fan. Uh, you wonder how many maybe uh, maybe more fans there are as a result of people that may have casually tuned into that game last night. Uh, we're not a sports show, but we're a show that talks about what people are talking about, and that was just an unbelievable match yesterday. I wonder if Charles Adler was watching. We'll ask him in just a quick second. First, if you're watching this show, as mentioned, you see on these live shots, this beautiful studio we feel so lucky to be in here in the historic Mercer Warehouse building in downtown Edmonton. This entire thing was built by the team at Complete Care Restoration. And we're so proud to partner with them. You know, Complete Care Restoration, they're one of those businesses where they'll tell you to their to your face, they hope that you never have to hire them. <laughs> they hope that you never give them a call. But if your place, your business, your residence experiences, heaven forbid, a fire or maybe flood damage, maybe there's some mold discovered, you know, a pipe's leaking, you know, the plumber opens up the wall and uh uh-oh, you've got an issue. Never mind the fact that there may be asbestos in there. This team does it better than anybody else. Getting you back to where you need to be better than where you were in the first place with a team whose attention to detail is unmatched. Take it from us. Our personal endorsement is without reservation. You can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca. A shout out to everybody, the amazing team at Apex Automation. How much fun did we have at their holiday party on Friday night? A little too much. Yeah, you see, when they talk about the team culture, when they talk about the the foundation upon which they've built their business, it is evident when you meet the team members that make up Apex Automation. I mean, can we tell a story in 10 seconds? One of their team members, I won't use her name, we'll keep it private within that room, but she had a really tough year. As a matter of fact, she lost her husband and her costs were piling up and she was paying too much for rent at their apartment. You want to know what the team did at Apex Automation? This, This is all you need to know. 
within their company, they crowdfunded a down payment so she can buy a condo. I'm serious. They presented her with the gift at the Christmas party on Friday night. Can you imagine? This team is about so much more than automation and engineering, but that's what they do best. You can learn about what they're doing. They're hiring professional engineers all the time at apexautomation.ca. And for a lot of you, I mean, we're getting to the point where we're, we're under the two-week window for, for Christmas. We're going to start looking to New Year. Happy Hanukkah, by the way, to our Jewish friends. It's the time of year where we start looking at maybe reinventing ourselves, turning over a new leaf, New Year's resolution, anybody? If yours includes bettering your understanding of the world around you, maybe bettering your shot at a job you actually want, check out Canada's Open University today at Athabasca University. World-class accredited online programs and the experience different from other universities by design. They're more accessible, more flexible, more equitable, and way more personalized for the thousands and thousands of students that attend Athabasca U from across the country. You can learn about the programs and courses and how it all works today by checking out AthabascaU.ca. And a quick shout out to those of you that are going to be entertaining through the holiday season. I mean, whether you're entertaining just a couple of people, or maybe you're going to have 25 friends and family in your home. If you'd rather be socializing, enjoying each other's company, uh, instead of standing over the hot stove, mashing potatoes, peeling carrots, you know what I'm talking about. Check out Friesen.com today. Friesen Brothers' team of Red Seal chefs is preparing their Ukrainian-inspired dinner boxes. I mean, these are unbelievable. Turkey dinners with all the fixings, pierogies, lazy cabbage rolls. You can add on extras like Granny Loveson's famous Christmas cake. You can order them today for pickup at Friesen.com. 16 locations across the province of Alberta. Leave the work to the talented team of chefs at Friesen Brothers. $60 feeds four people. 15 bucks a pop. Unbelievable value at Friesen Brothers. Alberta grown, Alberta owned. Man, I saw turkeys for like $60 at the grocery store last night. $60 to feed a family. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. And, and that's if you can find turkeys. I know a lot of places, there's a, there's a real rush on it, but, but $15 yeah. a head for like a full-blown holiday meal, mm-hmm. and you're not doing any of the work? I don't know. Sign One and me done. up. One that's and what done. we're going to be doing, buddy. <laughs> it's what we're going to be doing. Uh, Charles Adler uh, joins us every Monday. It's a, it's a tradition we absolutely look forward to through the week. Oh, Chuck. You trim back the beard. I haven't seen you looking this. Wow, it's like a whole new man. Is this a, is this a is this a thing? What about? I'll talk about the beard, but I, I need to do an audio check with you first. You sound amazing, I, I, crystal clear. It, the new microphone is uh, is working. I've got a blue microphone. Yes, I yeah, love it. To, well, this to match the humor. Th- th- there's something like about the timber in your voice, the way that it resonates, <laughs> Charles. That it, it, well, it demands is, that it be done justice. This is how we get to know each other. Yeah, I'm giving a, giving the beard a bit of a rest, but uh, the critics, you know, when you when you do what you do or I do, you know, you've always got thousands of critics. Uh, you, you try to ignore them, but it, many of the critics say, "I've got to go back to a beard, at least a, a goatee, because apparently I've got the, a weak." A weak jaw. I don't have a Ryan Jesperson jaw. Oh, I see. And apparently, uh, scientists. You know, we always say on the show, believe in trust science. Okay, so the the uh, scientists, uh, genealogists uh, have told me it's because my family goes back thousands of years, right? Happy Hanukkah, by the way. Happy Hanukkah and to you, my friend. As a matter of fact, a couple of, a couple of thousand years ago, a very very distant ancestor of mine, uh, name of Mary, and uh, you know, uh, every now and then. 
in, in, in times of trouble, Mary would come to me speaking words of wisdom. <laughs> let it be. Yes. So Mary, Mary, Mary tells me, let it be. Don't, don't, don't worry about what people tell you. You know, weak jaw, weak, no, no chin, whatever. It's okay. I mean, if it was okay for, uh, for Mary's family, why, why not, why not me? However, however, um, I'm, I'm told by other experts that one has to adapt uh, to the 21st century. And um, apparently, uh, on video and audio, of course, it doesn't matter. On video, you lose impact if you don't have a jaw. That's not something you've ever had to do. But, Ryan, I, I, I take direction from you. I mean, uh, goatee, you know, increase the power of the, the jaw or just leave it as, as it is? Well, I mean, I would say two things. Now, I don't know about no chin with you, Chuck. You've been putting your chin out there for decades. Um, I like chins so much that I got two of them. Uh, I, I would say if you're <laughs> the oldest trick in the book, pal, if you ever want to establish a jawline, you just you, you grow a five o'clock shadow and then yes, you sh- yes, and then yes, you yes, shave yes, in yes, your yes. jawline and it defines it for you there. You know, okay. I've been relying on that trick for ages. So Did, you don't you don't think I need the, the, the full goatee treatment? I think I think you should go to such a pain in the you know, here, well, Johnny and I were talking about Botox the other day, and I think that we, we both landed on the same square on the board. And that was that our official position is do what makes you happy. Yeah. And uh, that yeah. that's my official advice. But but I like it. It's a fresh sheet for you, for to use the hockey <laughs> metaphor. Were you tuned in? I, I have to imagine you were watching at least a bit of the World Cup final yesterday. Of course. No, I was, I was watching all of it. As a matter of fact, uh, it was something about soccer. I mean, for years I was an idiot, you know, saying things like, uh, soccer, uh, uh, soccer, I don't like soccer because the field is too big for my TV. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that now, but. <laughs> I was one of the idiots who said it was a herd. I mean, we all said that. But anyway, uh, so now because of the World Cup and everything else, I've become somewhat more educated and I appreciate soccer. I mean, I don't I don't want to pretend that I appreciate it as much as football or, or hockey. I mean, that's just never going to happen or even baseball. But nevertheless, I appreciate it. And I certainly appreciate the World Cup. So I got caught up in the emotion, right? Because there's nothing about sports that's rational. We we think it's rational. I mean, we find you know we do statistics and all that. But let's face it, uh, yeah. sports is emotional. And this was the first time where I, I've seen a soccer match where I too got a, something happened. I got emotional. I, mean, I got so emo- I got so emotional that at, at one point I was singing La Marseillaise, which is the French national anthem, and even tweeting Vive la France, wow. Vive la France. I don't know what the hell came over me. I'm gonna have to check with Mother Mary about that. <laughs> Okay, so you were pulling for the French. I was pulling. I, I don't. I, I, you know, I, I when when the, the French were when French were playing England, I definitely was pulling for England. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I grew up on you know James Bond and Winston Churchill and all, and all that. This uh, British TV, British British everything. You know, the, the, you know, I basically spent a lot of years outside of Quebec in 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 the British part of you know what they now call Ontario. You know, low, upper Canada. Anyway, the the, the point is, it was is Ontario it was, when you were there. You're not that old, Chuck. Well, no, I, you, you, know, you didn't. All you didn't this, see fur traders in canoes making their I'm way an, into the Hudson's Bay, did you? I I, I have an old soul. I guess <laughs> that's the the theme of this this pudding. Chuck sure. is old. At least his soul is old. <laughs> Your experience. So in a, in a, in any case, I was rooting for England over France, and uh, that's just the way it was. England lost, and I didn't know whether I would root for the French uh, or Argentina, but Something, something came over me, uh, you know, in the in the second half of the game, where all, all of a sudden I'm becoming a, 
a Frenchman. <laughs> yeah. I thought, it, I mean, there were, there were so many cool things to pay attention to and, and so many neat things to watch. And, and with the World Cup, you know, there, there's there's all these different storylines. I thought seeing French President Macron down on the field comforting his star players, his players, yeah. but you know what I'm saying, France's uh, star players after the It was just like, that. what an unusual thing to see i mean you can't imagine uh i, I don't know i mean, I mean stephen harper was is, is obviously uh known to be a huge hockey fan and i can i can think of some moments where canadian players have, have lost prominently uh, in high profile games and imagining the prime minister down on one knee comforting oh, an emotional no, no. hockey <laughs> player is just, I just okay i voted for harper most of the time but please uh <laughs> but you can't no, picture stephen it, harper right? is not stephen harper is not a He's not a comforter. No. Stephen Harper is not related to Mother Mary. <laughs> yes, that's fair. I mean, famously shook his son Ben's hand, dropping him off for school. And uh, our critics will, will, will you know, point out that we did find a way to drag Stephen Harper into the conversation in the first six minutes or so. But my point being, it was one of yes. the cool things to watch. And, and then, of course, all of, the, all of the debate around, I mean, first of all, Qatar hosting in the first place. And, and yeah. uh, I, I saw some, some, some skirmishes and dust-ups online uh, after Messi was... Was, was awarded and, and presented with this traditional, I don't know the name, I apologize, but that the traditional garb uh, that, that is a tradition, a cultural tradition in Qatar. You saw that the sort of the, the, the sort of silky looking uh, robe that they, they, they put over him as he, as he raised that, that trophy. And I saw some people suggesting that that was inappropriate, that they were covering up the Argentinian colors. And then I saw other people suggesting that, but this is Qatari tradition, and 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 let's just speak plainly. Let's have some real talk. People said people were saying to the critics, "You have a problem. It's a Muslim tradition. You have a problem with that." And the, and then others were saying, "Well, I guess rainbow armbands are too controversial, but this is okay." And I just thought, "Gosh, everybody's finding so many angles yeah. on things to talk about here, but it's all people." And I'm talking the game and 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 the tournament itself. It's all anybody was talking about over the weekend. It really yeah. is remarkable. I I think that there's fuel to that fire. People that say that the World Cup's bigger than the Olympic Games, I'm inclined to agree. It It is. Uh, I, I concede. I'm no longer saying that the field is too big for... By the way, I, don't you remember when people were saying that? that don't, don't the field's too big? Weren't alive. I never saw people saying the field was too big for their TV, but I no. still I still see people saying the field is too big. Okay, uh, yeah, thank but, you. But, so but, I'm not, I'm you know, there, there's certain... You know, in North America, we like... I mean, you take a look at... Again, I, I'm making soccer slash football talk about hockey again i can't help myself well, you have to you're a canadian but people you know people you know a lot of canadian or north american hockey fans don't like that european ice surface either that's a lot bigger but if you talk i, I to, don't and, I, and i'm one of them well but you, I, you i'm know, not you gonna talk go all to, don cherry on you but you know I, I love the canadian game okay and i don't i don't apologize for yeah that. so can north american fans when it's like now people watch nascar and things for the crashes they want to see like fighters in the octagon they want to see everybody mashing and smashing and and i think that in other parts of the world, uh, almost perhaps everywhere else in the world, whether it's bigger ice surfaces, big pitches for football or what have you, people like to see creativity be able to thrive a bit more. They want to see uh, the skill players separated from the brutes, you know, and I think that would probably be the argument for the bigger surface. Have you been to NASCAR? I've never been to NASCAR. No, I would go. I mean, if yeah, mm -hmm. of course I would go. You have? Wonderful. It's one, oh, yeah, yeah. I would go for the tailgating. That's kind of the main thing, isn't it? I, 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 all of it. Yeah, like the car <laughs> The car racing is kind of like whatever. You know, yeah, hopefully whatever. you get to see a crash. Yeah. Hopefully nobody gets yeah. hurt. But for, for the most part, you want to just crush. No, what do they drink? It, like Bush Light or whatever Whatever the big beer is down there? They uh, they, they drink everything, man. Yeah. It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful party. 
And you know, when when you get all, and I don't I don't mean to go all, you know, the mainstream media. I don't, I don't want to bash the mainstream, but if you if you if you only know about this world through, let's just call it what it is, you know, the, the conventional media, dominant media, whatever. You don't know very much about the world, I, and I, I don't. Once again, I'm not trying to bash. It's just that it it, it it's like that. It doesn't matter about the story. I mean, including the Middle East. I mean, let's take, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go all controversial on you. I mean, how much coverage do you see uh, about Israel? How much coverage do you see about the phenomenal success enjoyed by hundreds of thousands of Palestinians in all areas? I'm talking about medical. I'm talking about scientific. I'm talking about you, you, you name it. I mean, there's there's never any coverage of that, and I'm, I'm not pre- pretending to take sides in the business of you know Gaza versus Israel or the West Bank. That's not my point. My my, my only point is you, you the, the media will never give you coverage of the the phenomenal life, middle class, upper middle class, upper class life that many Palestinians are living inside the state of Israel. As Israeli citizens, I mean, have you have you ever seen anything about that on the news? No, I mean, I, you don't know. No, and and for the most part, I think, especially on the commentary side, and unless you're talking about Fox uh, or maybe like maybe CNN to a certain degree, and then there's there's the independent sites on the far ends of the fringe. Nobody really wades into those waters, and and in in some circumstances, based on personal experience, I don't blame I, I, them. And you hardly ever see stories about, uh, you know, Palestinians and Israelis, uh, Jewish Israelis and, and Palestinian Arabs, uh, you know, intermarriage, uh, all, all of the families that, that you've got down there. I mean, it, I, all I'm saying is that if you just pay attention to mainstream media, you know, all of the, all of the Arabs hate all of the Jews and all of the Jews hate all of the Arabs. And it's just such a it, it, it's it's so absurd. But, you know, you know what? we're probably going. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I don't I'm know sorry. if you heard. Senator Paula Simons joined us in studio last week, yeah. and we had. I got a, just a ton of respect for for the senator, and and I loved. Uh, we talked about. I I had brought up to her that I had seen a, a tweet online, and, and somebody basically said that, like, you know, uh, talking about anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, and yeah. and when you can draw the direct line and when you can't, and the senator herself said that there needs to be room uh, in debate uh, before you start talking about what is anti-Semitic. There needs to be room for criticism of the state of Israel. And she, a Jewish woman, uh, started talking about this, and I was I was thrilled to be able to have the opportunity to, to, to have that surface and to get people thinking about that because a lot of people, Charles, they don't want to go there. They don't want to try to, to draw that distinction. They don't want to try to explore the gray areas when you're talking about something like anti-Semitism for obvious reasons. For the average person, it's not worth the conversation. No, they, they don't. They don't want to get into it. But uh, you know, obviously, my heritage is what it is. And uh, yes, I'm a, a supporter of Israel. Uh, but do I uh, support uh, Netanyahu and some of Netanyahu's choices in the cabinet and some of their policies? No, I don't. I mean, obviously, I don't. I mean, you you know where I come from. I'm a I'm a moderate person, and I don't like the far right. I don't like the far right in the states. I don't like the far right in Canada, and I don't like the far right in Israel. Does that make me anti-Semitic? 
Only a fool would would, would, would draw that conclusion. Mm. You, uh, I want to talk a bit of politics with you, and then I want to also talk a bit about, you know, we were, uh, obviously, we've been talking about COP15, the, the UN Biodiversity Conference, Montreal's hosting, and we've had some really wonderful conversations about, in particular, what, what, what biodiversity looks like or a lack of it looks like in Canada, and what's sounding the alarm bells and, and what sustainability looks like. And a big part of it has been, um, including a conversation we had with a former cattleman who's now a, a conservationist, uh, Tom Lynch Stunt, and talked about the preservation of grasslands and how that's a really big deal. You, you shared a piece that got you thinking over the weekend, uh, you and me both, uh, New York Times subscribers. This is a really great piece. No one wants to say, put down that burger, but we really should. <laughs> and it's uh, it's an exploration of what food trends look like. And, and I thought that this was a pretty striking uh, note in that piece in the Times uh, where they write, Michael Grunwald does, that he's the host of the Climavores podcast. The, the world would need uh, agricultural land, additional agricultural land, uh, the additional size of India uh, over the next short window to be able to accommodate a growth uh, in trend toward eating meat. And there's kind of a good news storyline here, which runs parallel with a tough one. And that is that as many people in developing countries are escaping poverty, yeah. one of the first things they're doing is eating more meat because now they can. The flip side of it is that it is not in trend to kill the planet. And what was it in particular that got you thinking so much about maybe what you personally put in your body every week? Well, I don't. I don't eat uh, very much meat. Uh, here, uh, here again, you're getting me into uh, trouble with uh, with Albertans on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, <laughs> you know, I just. It's a. You know, why don't I eat meat? I mean, ask ask John Hicks why I don't eat uh, meat. I we mean, know I why just, John I, doesn't, uh, but what about you? Is it is it a, is it a planet sustainability thing? Well, it's simply. I mean, for for, for me personally, it, it's it's a business of, of harming animals. Okay, I, I don't I don't think I need to harm animals. In order, in order to uh, sustain myself, and you know, when you say that, people jump out of the woodwork. Well, you know, if you're if you're a vegetarian or you're a vegan, you know, you're you're killing more bugs, and and you're you're being selective. You know, the uh, pigs and and chickens and, and 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 cows are cute to you, and the bugs aren't. Anyway, it's it's a I, I don't I don't see that conversation going anywhere uh, as far as my heart is concerned. So um, I don't. And the other reason the other reason I don't uh, eat meat is because uh, meat. Uh, for whatever reason, gets my appetite going for all kinds of other things. Oh, uh, that aren't that aren't you know that are, that, are, that just make me fatter. So you talking to... booze? <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to have a it's hard to have a slab of prime rib without a nice Bordeaux. <laughs> well, you know. Well, you, but you but you name it. I mean, sides. You know, I want to have more fries. I want to look. I mean, bottom line, when when it when it comes to food, it, it all comes down to sugar, salt, and fat. And, uh, the, you know, the, the food the food industry, not to be a food industry basher, but the food industry employs lots of scientists. The scientists aren't there to cure cancer. The scientists are there for what? Uh, to get us to want more of whatever it is they're serving us. So when you're um, finding a, a, a wonderful way uh, to, to combine sugar, salt and fat with, with, with whatever food that you're uh, producing and processing – you're going to get people to eat more of it. And I, you know, that's just the, the way it is. So when I'm not eating meat, it's easier for me to lose weight and it's easier for me not to crave booze and ice cream. Dare I say it because I love Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen too much. 
Uh, I love I love your sponsor. By the way, speaking of sponsors, <laughs> what's the engineering sponsor that I've got to send a resume into? Apex I mean, Automation. You go to apexautomation.ca. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, w- would you mind if I apply to them for a job? Because, I mean, the the idea of working for people that are that kind, that nice, Isn't that, that amazing? might also give me a condo. Yes. I mean, that's just too much to... It's just too much to pass up. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable, and they're an amazing crew over there. Apex and, and they're Oops, cri- yeah. Apex Engineering. Yeah, they win bring a in, condo. Uh, they you win a condo. They're probably going to be like, can you dial back that promo <laughs> about free condos for the employees? This is a summary. This is wild. Those the, the the current eating and farming trends. If they continue, uh, so says this report in the New York Times. The world will clear land equal to at least one and a quarter Indias by twenty fifty. They say it'll doom carbon-rich and biodiverse ecosystems like the Amazon and Congo rainforests. And they say it's a challenge because we'll also need to produce more than, I can't even wrap my mind around the number, seven and a half quadrillion additional calories every year. Okay, They say to feed a growing population in an era where climate-fueled droughts, heat waves, floods, and blights could make it harder to grow food. Uh, Experts at COP15 in Montreal are hoping to leave with a commitment and say what you will about commitments made at climate conferences. They're rarely capped, as a matter of fact. So people would never write to be they're sitting. Never, they're never, they're never capped. capped. It's, it's but, bullshit, but, but, actually. But, but this, but Brian, this just comes down to the math. And, it, you know, it's, it's not about being anti-meat. And it's not about being anti-agriculture. Not. It's just, you know, it's just, it's brutally inefficient to, to produce cattle. You're just using a lot more land and you're using a lot more water. You're using a lot more of the earth. And as people get richer in different parts of the world, yes, of course, they want meat. Meat tastes wonderful. I'm not mm-hmm. talking the taste of it but you know that's what drives people to have more of it and uh, it just it's just much more inefficient uh to create meat meat products than it is to create other products and that's that's what this new york times article is all about i mean they do it obviously in a much more nuanced way than i do i don't do nuanced i you know just not a nuanced person <laughs> we meat, know that charles ta- <laughs> you know meat <laughs> meat tastes great i mean there's right now there's nothing i would love more than a cheeseburger Mm. And, you know, as the New York Times points out, you know, you, you can't really stop people from loving cheeseburgers. I mean, you can get them, you know, we can talk about beyond meat. We can talk about growing meat. Yeah, we sure. can talk about a lot of things. But at the moment, at the ver- at this very moment, it's a non-starter conversation. With the, we, we're, we're, we're obviously heading for Christmas and people are going to be eating turkey, a lot of turkey. I mean, you, I, I'm not going to get on your show or any show here and say, uh, th- th- this Christmas, um, resist the temptation to eat turkey. Just a, it, it's a it, it's it's a pointless discussion. Plus, I'm not uh, you know I'm not an activist. I just try to look at things realistically. Yeah, and there's also going to be kind of the um, the um, pecking order, if you will, no pun intended, on on the animals that people care most about. And so you know, for example, when it comes to turkeys. Uh, to be quite honest, nobody loves to. There's always these videos that are released. This is horrible. These investigative journalists go undercover and they yeah. see how the, the, the birds are treated in some of the operations. Uh, but nobody really seems to care about the people care more about the animals with eyelashes. And that's what it is. We're, we're going to be talking about bison with our next guest in just a moment. <laughs> everybody cares about bison. Every, every, if, you, if you see a calf, if you see a you know baby cow, you're going to see the, the eyelashes. Everybody cares about those. But for the animals without eyelashes, the turkeys and well, the chickens hey, and the we, others, we, we, listen, the salmon. We're, we're, okay. <laughs> Nobody cares. We're, we're, okay. No. Yeah. Not, not many people care about uh, catfish. Yeah, um, that's right. Even less because okay, they're I, bottom feeders. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but there it is. Thank you very much for for saying it. Mother Mary, thank you. We're a team. 
Look, here, here, here's the thing. Uh, we're, we're human beings, so we care most, we devote most of our affection and love and attention to those beings that look like us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when, when you're looking at a calf, and the calf is separated from the mother, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to get into all the, all the gross stuff here. But when you when you look at uh, those videos and that that's got nothing to do with specific farms, that's just that's just a fact. I mean, look, you're from you're from the dairy industry yourself. Yeah. Ish, how how yeah. on earth how on earth can you have a cow, um, you know, pregnant all the time and 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 giving milk to us and giving milk to her calf at the same time? You've got to separate the calf from the mom. And as human beings, that's very very difficult. We we relate. You know, you talk about eyelashes. The the the, the point is, if 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 a human being looks at a, at a calf pining for its mom and the mom pining for its calf, naturally, our heart bleeds. So most most of us don't, don't look at that. Mm. Uh, Tim is watching us live uh, in the YouTube chat. He says, hmm, Charles didn't comment on the far left. He says, regarding media, there's many independent journalists out there. I listen to as many as I can, and then I think of human nature. That from Tim. Uh, you remember you said you didn't like the far right here. You didn't like the far right there. You didn't like the far right anywhere. I don't like. Okay, so yeah. here it is. Uh, you know, in three, two, one. <laughs> I don't like extremism. I don't like extremism on the left. I don't like extremism on my right. I mean, over the weekend, I, I talked about my late dad because um, it's the anniversary of his death. It was yesterday, de- mm. December eighteenth, uh, and uh, my my dad uh, was able to dodge the the, the bullet of uh, Nazism. Uh, he got very, very lucky. A friend of his, what we would call a righteous Gentile, helped him get into Romania, which was very, very close to uh, to Hungary. Hungary's got lots of neighbors. One of them is, is Romania. So he got into Romania and he did uh, farm labor there. And when the uh, Soviets uh, were coming through to, quote, liberate uh, that, that part of, of the world, um, they picked up all people who were associated with countries who were their enemies. So my father was picked up because he was ethnically, he was Hungarian. Yes, he was Jewish, but he was Hungarian. And he actually had uh, a couple of years in the uh, Hungarian Armed Forces. His last day, they gave him an honorable discharge. So in in one hand, they uh, give him the honorable discharge. Thank you very much for serving your country. And the other hand, uh, they gave him orders uh, to show up at a train station and uh, be deported for Auschwitz. I mean, that's the kind of life my father had. The point is the Soviets picked him up and stuck him in the Siberian Gulag, where he was, like so many others, tortured. Now, who 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 was a threat to my father? Obviously, the right, the far right was a threat to my father. The Nazis who murdered my, my father's uh, parents, a brother, a sister, cousins, nephews, and all the rest of that horrible story. And, of course, the extreme left tortured my, my father in Siberia. So to ask me... Uh, to say, well, I, I prefer the far left to the far right. No, I don't. I, I, extremism is extremism. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, it's just uh, for, for, for people who say if I'm, uh, let, let's say I'm, I'm not happy with uh, Danielle Smith. I didn't want to bring her up because heading into Christmas. We almost did an Danielle entire Smith. interview without okay. mentioning Danielle I wanna, I wanna, Smith. I wanted, to give the, I wanted to give the Smith thing a break. Uh, but, but the point is, if I, if, I, if, I, if I oppose some things that Danielle Smith is doing, People jump to the conclusion, well, I must be far left. No, no, I'm just, I'm, 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 you know, if you have to do a, an autopsy on my mind, I'm a, a moderate conservative. So in the Alberta tradition, 
uh, I vote uh, Alberta PC, but you know my Alberta PCs are gone, mm-hmm. uh, just as my federal PCs are gone. And so, but but for people to draw this conclusion, oh, I've changed. I've made this match. No, I haven't changed. The Conservatives have gone uh, to the right. They've become a little more extreme. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like I, I don't want to be a Karen. I don't want to sit here and whine about it. But it's just a fact, and I know. Uh-huh. That I'm not alone. You're now you're pissing off all the Karens, Chuck. Everywhere you step, landmines everywhere, buddy. Uh, we will be talking about Danielle Smith tomorrow, I'm sure. Edmonton's Mayor Amarjeet Sohi will join me in studio, and uh, he's pretty pissed off about a uh, about a, a new provincial task force on on crime and homelessness and addiction in Edmonton. He says it does not have the approval of City Council. Uh, for those of you that didn't hear Councillor Sarah Hamilton on the show on Friday, make sure to check it out. She's on that task force, and she explains how that came about and, and why she was on it. Uh, she says she notified the mayor. The mayor says that they didn't, so we'll find out what happened when we talk to him tomorrow. Uh, no doubt we'll talk municipal, provincial, and federal politics. Chuck, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about this polling. It's just out. Reputable firm, obviously, Angus Reed Institute. People can check it out at angusreed.org. Uh, it shows a, a bit of a bump in support about five points for the prime minister justin trudeau heading into december you were tweeting about this over the weekend uh, suggesting that that you know a lot of people that had figured that this might be trudeau's swan song that he wouldn't run again in the next federal election that that it all came down to one thing and that was who won the conservative leadership poliev certainly making an impression on people but as angus reed reports people can read it for themselves not always in a good way a very polarizing leader uh there's no federal election coming up anytime soon you do have jagmeet singh threatening to pull his support of this government uh if they don't make meaningful progress on health care sapri and i talked about it last week that is okay i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry go go ahead no the laughter maybe says it all what do you make of the polling jagmeet i mean jagmeet singh is a nice guy and his favorables are, are rather good. Yeah, he's like in elections. In elections, Jagmeet Singh sucks like a Hoover or a Dyson. <laughs> I don't mean to endorse one over the other. By the way, which is there a vacuum clean co- cleaner company that's endorsing? The, there's no, 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 we, we, we could say, yeah, Real Talk Sucks uh, would be perfect. We actually did invest in a studio vacuum cleaner just a couple of days ago, um, but I'm not I'm not going to say the brand. But at the moment, no vacuum. Bananas. You don't have a vacuum cleaner sponsor. No, we don't have a vacuum cleaner. Okay, well, the, Dyson the, is the, absolutely the, the, the best. The ads would write themselves. You know, here's yeah. what here's what sucks so anyway, today. Brought to you so by anyway, Dyson. So, That'll be great. So the, the point is, if you anyone can look at this, uh, Jugmeet, and I like Jugmeet Singh personally. You know, just like I I like Daniel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but but putting that aside, just to get to the the, the politics here, Jugmeet Singh uh, sucks like a Dyson in many parts of the country, and uh, Trudeau knows because he's got polling, whether it's Angus Street or whatever, he's got his private polling. He looks at the polls all the time, almost nightly. And uh, the deal is that uh, he's got a great shot of uh, winning, and he thinks he has a, 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 a good shot, not a great shot, is a good shot at actually winning a majority. And that's because uh, Jagmeet Singh is, is going nowhere but down, and Pierre Polyev is absolutely off the charts, horrible with women voters. And women vote, of course, um, and uh, there are more women uh, then there are men because women outlive men. And so Trudeau is feeling very, very good these days. Anyone who pays attention uh, can can see the, the swagger in him. And according to Angus Reid, he's up by five points. No, uh, no surprise here. I uh, yeah, I thought that y- your tweet was kind of bang on where you said that a lot of guys w- would ask why you don't think I'm paraphrasing why you don't think that Polyev could win an election. And you just said to them, ask your wife. 
which I think yeah, I mean, I, I was I was supporting uh, Charest, yeah, and I was confident that if uh, Charest had become uh, the leader, I would vote uh, for the Conservatives. There it is once again. Sorry, sorry, guys. He just got pumped though. I'm still I'm still not quite. I'm still wrapping my mind around that how that leadership race wound up, and this is well, months was, later. He got, know, the, he, the, he got the thing is that Charest was not a negative with women. And more to the point, Charest was not a big negative in three cities. The cities and the suburbs matter because a lot of people live there. They're called Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. Yep. And I, for the life of me, I, I, for the life, I will never understand why the Conservative Party, which doesn't want to be seen as a marginal party, wants to be seen as a natural, national governing party, and they could be. I don't know why they would reject the idea of having someone who can win votes in Quebec, Ontario, and British Columbia. I mean, it makes no sense, and well, it's never made any sense to me. They picked their horse. We'll see how it runs. Uh, to you, uh, in honor of the late, great Mike Adler, uh, it's wonderful to see your face. Great to hear your voice. That clean-shaven face is going to take a bit of getting used to, that clean-shaven face. Happy yeah, Hanukkah just, to just you and yours, you know, my I'm man. Just, but I'm just giving the beard a Christmas break, so yeah. you know, I know we're not going to be on – uh, I know we're not going to be on next Monday, and uh, who knows, you may bounce the schedule around for the next week. But the point is that the next time we're on, I might be, you know, a little more hirsute. Is that oh. the way to pronounce it? We'll see. Hirsute? Uh, you're asking the wrong A little guy. hairier. If you don't have the words, hairier. don't look to me. Charles Adler, <laughs> Mondays right here on Real Talk. Take care, my man. Merry Christmas to you and your family, Brian. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. That's uh, a great friend of this show, Charles Adler. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to meet a real talker who reached out to us. When we talked a few days ago to Dr. Clement Lantier, he's the CEO of uh, the president CEO of the Wilder Institute, the Calgary Zoo. He's also president of the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums. I mean, the guy is like the guy, the big cheese, uh, talking about zoos and the role that they can play in sustainability. And I know some of you are going to be like, I got no time for zoos. I feel sick to my stomach every time I go to a zoo. We talked about that with him. It was a great interview. Make sure you check it out. Anyway, he started talking about how strange it was that, you know, you need permits to keep certain wildlife as pets, basically wildlife native to the world that we know. Say if you're in Western Canada, if you want to keep certain animals that are native to this part of the world, you got to have permits, but you don't have to have permits to keep in his where he pointed out lions and tigers and primates. Oh, my venomous snakes, lions and tigers and primates. Oh, my <laughs> He goes, you don't even need, he goes, you don't even need a permit. He, goes, he said the, the word zoo has, my words, not his, has been bastardized so badly uh, that they've got a real issue uh, with regards to the PR side of things. And they know that. And he talks about what they're doing and how the, the, the mandate or the mission is changing. So it prompts our next guest, who we're going to talk to in just a second. Trevor reaches out to us and he says, uh, I, I was telling you about my cousin, mm-hmm. uh, my cousin that keeps a bison he has a domesticated bison and trevor goes us too he says we used to keep one in the house I went, what do you what so we invited him to share some photos with us he did he delivered and uh <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like a bison in the house he's going to talk to us in just a, a second these interviews happen because of sponsors like our friends at local environmental services if you go to their website localenvironmental.ca, check this out you can learn about their core values you can learn about what makes them tick as a company from the leadership uh, Chris Labas here, all the way down to the men and women that keep those trucks running, they keep those services providing in local markets across Alberta and Saskatchewan, day in and day out. If you're running a business, a hotel, a restaurant, maybe a retail location, 
you're probably, to be honest with you, paying too much. And Local Environmental believes that you deserve better. Whether it's the big roll-off bins, whether it's garbage and recycling management, water hauling, temporary fencing, portable toilets, you name it, it's no BS when you're dealing with Local Environmental Services. You can request a quote today. Get to know their team a little bit better by checking out their website, localenvironmental.ca. Hey, if you're one of the Canadians that right now is going to be looking for a safer ride, you see what the forecast is looking at right now. Maybe you've got some holiday travel on the highways planned. You know that there's nothing like what the Jeep brand provides and the confidence of that four-wheel drive. The most awarded and most purchased SUV in North American history is the Jeep Grand Cherokee. And you won't find a better selection than you will at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. They've got great specials on right now, and they're taking pre-orders on that 2022 Dodge Hornet that everybody's talking about. You can get pre-qualified, get the finances handled. Check out the special on the new Ram 1500 Classic, up to $10,000 in total discounts from Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Man, oh man, the way that the temperatures are going at least where we are we recognize that many of you are listening from different parts of the world but we're looking at minus 30 staring minus 30 in the face over the next week or so means that a lot of these furnaces are going to be running around the clock means that people are going to be plugging in space heaters be really careful with that courtesy of our friends at park power a reminder you never want to use an extension cord with a space heater they've got great information online you can find out more helpful tips by following them on social media and learn how you could pay less for your utilities by bringing your business over to park power electricity natural gas and internet when you bundle your services with them, they knock off administration fees, and of course, they'll take 70 bucks off your first bill if you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK when you sign up today at parkpower.ca. And speaking of ice cream, I appreciate Charles bringing that up because it's always a good time to talk about ice cream. At Dairy Queen right now, they want to remind you, DQCakes.com is the resource for getting your custom Dairy Queen cake. There's nothing like a celebration with a DQ cake. Any occasion, a happy occasion with a customized masterpiece, whether it's Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, an anniversary, maybe a holiday-era birthday party. Hey, you want to make somebody, you know, our uncle, our uncle Lawrence, just a real beauty. His birthday is Christmas Day. You always want to find a way to, to, to make those Christmas babies feel specially recognized. How about a DQ cake from the Dairy Queens in Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park? You can find them at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, Baseline Road. When you're heading through that drive-thru, when you're in the store, you make sure you let them know you're there because you heard about them on Real Talk. That's the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And a big shout-out before we get to this next interview. I'm thinking, like, we're going to talk to a guy that had bison as a pet. Maybe we could do some tie-in here. Like, if you want to maybe integrate a grazing area into your new backyard design? I don't know. Is there a COP15 tie-in? I think there is. Eden Landscaping has been understanding sustainable design for years. You talk about trends and people that follow them. This team is a trendsetter. Uh, They've been going with this urban butterfly front yard approach where they've been integrating native grasses, attracting pollinators. They understand sustainability And of course, the aesthetic side of their design, second to none. Why not stuff a stocking this holiday season with a consultation 
to Eden Landscaping. Bring your outdoor space to life. Have those winter months invested on the planning side so your project gets started in the spring. By next summer, you could be enjoying a new outdoor kitchen, a pergola, a water feature, you name it. They do it all at Eden Landscaping. Find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Well, this is one of those interviews we, we, we just really love when this happens. We, we reach out to you on the show, and this is sort of a back and forth, a conversation where whether it's the live chat or you're using our official Twitter hashtag, RealTalkRJ, or maybe sending an email to talk at RyanJesperson.com. When you let us know how what we're talking about is resonating with you, it makes the show that much better. Our next guest is uh, checking in with us live from beautiful Hannah, Alberta, in the southern part of the province where his parents raised a bison from a calf all the way up, a domesticated bison. It's Trevor Kerr making his Real Talk debut, and it's a real pleasure to have you here, Trevor. Thanks for making time for us, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. It's great to talk to you. Yeah. Are we revealing your handle in the live chat so people know who they're really talking to here? Or are we going to keep that on the down low? You want to keep some semblance of anonymity or no? I mean, we could. There's no problem with that. I'm Cactus Sheriff on the real chat every week. Cactus Sheriff making his real talk debut. We love it. So <laughs> so you reach out to us. We're, we're having a fun conversation and, and I'm talking about my cousin uh, who, who keeps as a domesticated bison and people can't wrap their minds around seeing him stand on the shoulders, literally stand on the shoulders of this like 2000 pound animal. And, and the next thing we know, I check my email inbox and you're sending us just remarkable photos. Tell us about how your family got connected with this bison. So it's through our family farm. Uh, we actually run about 200, 250 head of calving bison cows. Wow. So that and about, I think it's about a dozen bulls. So yeah, uh, it, the, the one that I sent the photos of ended up being an orphan from birth. Uh, and so it was bottle fed. And that's how my parents ended up with it in their house. <laughs> wow. So very cool. Do, do, do you name the bison? I know in an agricultural operation, a lot of times the kids aren't going to assign names to the animals because it makes it a bit complicated. What about this one? <laughs> uh, that one was named May. Yeah. All the bottle fed ones end up with names. Oh, very cool. And so this was like, literally, you got you guys had a bison in the house. I mean, not all the time, obviously, but this no, was a bison that sort of like to us from time to time would have the run of the house. Yeah, yeah. She had it halter broke so that it wasn't just chaotically running around the house. But yeah, it was uh, it was her little pet and she had it in the house to walk around and explore and almost as a bragging right. So very cool. So how does how does something like this with regards to the demeanor of this animal? There's there's going to be instinct. And obviously there are different stories from around the world and I'm not, I'm not making light of them, but, but you'll hear the odd story of like the day the tiger turned or, you know, the woman that was killed by her pet orangutan when it like lost its mind and they lived together for 12 years and nobody saw it coming. Uh, with regards to bison, uh, they seem to be to a certain degree quite like, uh, well, they seem chill. Uh, are they chill until they're not? Can you train them to be chill? What did you learn about bison that maybe you didn't already know? So the one that my mom bottle fed, uh, it was quite the pet, but they can turn at any minute. Uh, the ones out in the field are not chill whatsoever. They're a wild animal that we put a fence around. That's it. There's, there's no, the, the word domestication is a bit loose when it comes to them. I love that when you say, yeah, the, the ones in the wild, you say they're not chill at all. That's the thing. What is it that really sets off a bison? Like people, we were talking about uh, proximity to national parks and wild spaces. And of course, Elk Island National Park, just about a 40 minute drive 
east of Edmonton, people can see bison out in their natural habitat in the odd time. I mean, including Oilers star winger, Yessa Puliarvi, you'll see the odd person get maybe maybe a little bit too close to a bison. What is it that <laughs> sets them off? Are they territorial? Uh, during calving season, they're very territorial. You'd be crazy to go out amongst them. Uh, they're very protective of their young. Uh, as far as just in general, they're not very territorial. It's uh, sudden moves and strange things. Uh, their uh, their instincts default to everything as a predator if it isn't a bison. So, oh, very cool stuff. Hey, Trevor, one of the biggest reasons I think I should call you Cactus Sheriff. What's the root of that name, by the way, Cactus <laughs> Sheriff? There was everybody's talking about Cactus Club now that we've got this Edmonton Mississauga rivalry. If people don't know what we're talking about, they can check out last week's shows. Where does Cactus Sheriff come from? I actually just kind of pulled it out of my butt when I was about 14. It's my gamer tag. So. Oh, it's your gamer tag. Okay. So people, I, I wonder if the odd real talker is like, I wonder if it's the same guy. Yeah, it is. Okay, good. Uh, you're you're uh, you're rocking a, a shirt right now for people listening to the podcast. Um, uh, we'll let them know that, that uh, I know you're a big supporter of this Harvest Sky Animal Rescue, which I understand has just recently been rebranded, right? Where previously this was the Hannah SPCA. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, we did that in August of this year. We rebranded. Okay, so so tell me about the uh, tell me about Harvest Sky Animal Rescue and what's going on right there. Because my understanding is is that it's it's maybe I don't want to say it's in it's in trouble, but but it's up against the wall with regards to needing some support. So yeah, we're we're in a similar situation to all of the rescues across the province. Uh, it's kind of a perfect storm has hit right now as far as animal rescue. We're, we're facing higher vet costs, uh, lower donations because everybody's having to tighten their belts, uh, higher food costs, and a massive influx of animals. That's the biggest challenge we're facing. We're getting just about daily calls for people looking to surrender their animals, whether it's COVID-adopted animals that they don't have time for anymore or housing situation changes. It's, uh, yeah, daily calls. And it's it's kind of a perfect storm to, that's been created. Everybody that I talk to uh, across the rescue industry in Alberta is full. So uh, most people are being put on wait lists or just outright being refused, unfortunately. Really? Uh, can I, uh, th- I know that this is sensitive subject matter, but that's the whole point of this show. Um, you know, you see, it seems to be t- more typical in the United States than Canada. Uh, but, but, but you hear them described as like kill shelters, right? I see oftentimes in California, I, I, I know people personally in Edmonton that, that literally charter flights, uh, and they go down and they'll pick up like 20 dogs from kill shelters in California and bring them up to Canada to try to get them adopted out. Cause it's really is kind of a, it's kind of a cutthroat reality that if these animals don't get adopted, out there euthanized uh what happens um you know if you can give us a sense i know you're not speaking for all the rescues in canada or alberta for that matter but for example with harvest sky animal rescue if you say sorry we're full uh, and somebody says well, i need to surrender this animal and they can't do it there like what happens i guess what i'm trying to do is paint a picture here for people to better understand what the stakes are well i mean sometimes it is people that are just tired of the animal and don't want to put in the effort so when they get refused it kind of prompts them to rethink it and, hey, maybe I can spend a little extra time. Uh, in cases where they absolutely can't keep it, we do try to help out as much as we can. But when we refuse them or we, we try to redirect them rather than just straight out refuse, but 
it's kind of up to them what happens to them and we can't guarantee what happens to those animals once they're refused i'm uh for people that that are uh, listening not watching they can check out harvestskyrescue.ca i'm scrolling through here we're just at the cats right now oh man and john hicks give me uh, all of them appears to you're gonna be bringing like you're gonna be bringing 11 cats home today so this is the problem (laughs) when you go to a shelter and and my wife comes with me is you just you, you like there's so many animals in need. You want to help every single one. It's like these are beautiful yeah. animals. Trevor, are you? Uh, is your house like chock full with with uh, furry friends? Uh, I've got two dogs and five cats, all from this rescue because I've been a volunteer. So wow, how do they all get along? The dogs and cats are they okay together? Yeah, they the dogs and cats tend to stay away from each other. They don't. They, there's not a problem there, and everybody else is just time to get used to each other. Yeah, time to get used to each other. I love it. Hey, well, listen, buddy. I, it means a lot to us that you reached out. We love seeing your your uh, name in the comments and and your feedback. Uh, and I always love this when somebody comes up in the wild. You know, when somebody comes up in real life uh, and says hi and lets me know that they listen to the show or they watch the show. I I always ask them, what's one thing you'd like to hear more of? on the show as we prepare for 2023 uh, as we head into the third year of real talk what's something you'd like to see more of on the show oh if i could be so bold i'd say a little more real life stuff kind of in the vein of what today's interview was not necessarily animal rescue or that but more stuff that uh the everyday person would notice mm, i like it someone wrote in the other day what did they say john something like we were talking about real life stuff and they said less politics more of this and we're always looking to find that fine line, the you balance, know, the balance, the balance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's so nice to see you uh, and to see your face and put a face to the name. And uh, we consider ourselves really lucky to have a sharp fellow like you continuing to uh, participate and drive the conversation some mornings in the chat. Uh, keep up the amazing work at Harvest Sky Animal Rescue at a beautiful Hannah, Alberta. I mean, people across the country uh, can show their support here with a donation. And of course, if you're considering volunteering or foster, uh, you can get in touch with them today at harvestskyrescue.ca. We're lucky to call you one of our community members, Trev Cactus Sheriff. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much for your time. I've been a fan forever, so this was a this was a treat for me. Well, that goes both ways, buddy. A Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and your family. John, have you decided on a cat? Uh, I know, I know, I'm going to head out there within yeah. the next two weeks. I'm looking we, here, we've got some done. days off after, and I know I'm going to be out at Harvest. Cat. I yeah. just know it because my wife's probably watching the show right now, and we were already looking at rescues. Uh, just the holidays makes us think about you know everybody. Yeah, you know the homeless population, of humans as well as animals. So like, she's been sending me photos of of animals for the last two weeks, being like, "Here's this." Yeah. Here's yeah. this dog. Here's this cat. Here's this. You know what, though, man? Like like five or ten people that hear this might be considering putting a puppy or a kitten under the tree. And it's the worst. Well, I don't I don't <laughs> want to say that, but but it can oh, be. Cactus is, is cactus in the chat already. Nodding. He's nodding. It's in this day and age. Like you remember when the Beethoven movie came out mm-hmm. and then everybody started and got the got St. Bernard's and then they realized they, they realized grow they're huge. 200 pounds yeah. and they cost like a thousand dollars a month to feed. Mm-hmm. Not actually literally, especially not if you go with Grand Dog Essentials. But I digress. But you know, the same sort of a thing. 101 Dalmatians. People buy Dalmatians. Or people see animals that are cute and they go buy them. I mean, like bunnies. Right? You hear this all the time. People are giving their kids bunnies around Easter. Yeah. 
And then, and then they don't need the bunnies or the kids lose interest or they're not taking care of them. And then it's on these rescues that rely on donations to try to keep these animals alive and, and find forever homes for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my eyes in particular on Mocha. Look at this. I'm, I'm not a real expert on cats. Mocha looks incredible. Mocha, has, Mocha looks like a looks like sort of like has this like distinguished yeah. sort of a. Yeah. Oh man, we can't have a cat in the house right now. We've got a, we've got our, our uh, the our, baby. Our, no, no, no. The, our boxer Moses oh. just has a has a thing. He just uh, Monroe, our lab. <laughs> she'd be perfectly fine with cats, but Moses. You know what happened? Moses actually a cat kicked his ass when really? he was like, yeah, when he was two. That's he, probably why he's got PTSD. Well, so there was this there was this cat uh, named Cat. By the way, that was the cat's <laughs> actual name. Our next door neighbors um, <laughs> and Cat has since left us. May, may he rest in peace. Uh, had had wonderful swagger. This cat did mm. fearless. Uh, Moses would be in the front room of our house, kind of you know keeping watch on the street. Right, he looks out the front window and kind of surveys this mm-hmm. big big boxer. And and Cat would walk by and would like do like catwalks, like fashion walks, catwalks across our front yard and like look over and Moses would be losing it. Like he would lose his mind and the cat just loved it. You Why could tell. are you existing? You could tell. <laughs> and so Moses, one Canada day, we're all entertaining and we have our both our back gates open and Moses sees his window of opportunity to go in and settle the it. score. And so you've got this this rambunctious boxer that comes charging into the backyard. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm like running over because all I can envision, and, and sorry to like just say what I mean, but like I'm worried that my dog is going to kill my neighbor's cat. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm worried about. Well, did we ever have a surprise in store? <laughs> cat had been training for just waiting for this moment. And Cat, you know these like the you know the guy in the bar that you never you know that's like that 150 pound little featherweight. You have no idea, but he's just gonna beat your ass if anything goes sideways. We just had a guest on the hedge like this. Where, this was Cat. Yeah. And Cat we underestimated. So Moses comes out of the yard. Comes like by the time we were able to get in there, and it was a one. It was it was like Conor McGregor. <laughs> like it just Moses he's leaking he's got a cut on his face and it was like uh, it was it was honestly it wasn't funny but it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen mm-hmm. and uh, it was like it was like how much does a cat weigh like 16 pounds or something 14 I don't know mm-hmm. it was like a 15 pound animal just beat up a 90 pound animal <laughs> and it was like lesson learned and ever since then Mo has just been scarred he just can't mm. handle cats yeah it happens it happens <laughs> yeah so you know maybe maybe in a maybe in a in a future year perhaps we'll be able to but but in all seriousness if you're considering uh, maybe adding an animal to the family this holiday season harvest skyrescue.ca would be a great place yoda to look. yoda looks oh, like you it. picked out your cat yeah Oh, Yoda's a good-looking one. What's scroll, that? You, would you call that? Would you, would you call scroll, that a tabby? Scroll up a little orange. more. Little more. You got. We got more. Mocha here. You got Bugsy. Little more. Josie. Little more. There yeah. it is. Josie. 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 Looks like a fun oh, character. look at Josie, the black and white, <laughs> beautiful animal. Yeah. We've already got two cats and one dog, but my wife is like, like I know we're gonna get another dog within like. How's Priscilla? Because Priscilla's a Chihuahua, right? Yeah, she's great. She's six years old, but she 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 gets lonely during the day. She needs a friend, but yeah. also like my wife like. She doesn't like uneven numbers, so I know there's going to be two dogs, two cats, and then there'll be a third cat, and then we have to get a third dog, and it's just like, then we got to get a bigger house, and it's, <laughs> but you know what, like, I can't, I can't knock her for it, because she just wants to love all the animals. She wants to love as many as she can that we can afford. Can we talk right? about what you told me about what your wife's goal is about the property? 
about doesn't she want it? She well, it's wants not to a goal. Do, it's just a dream. Like she would love. I think that's amazing. She would love to do kind of what cactus. I'm, I assume cactus is a real farmer. <laughs> yeah, his family raises by two hundred fifty head of bison. Of How course, cool is that? of course. And like you know, but my wife would like to you know have you know some land and and some rescues and just uh you know take all those animals that because there are farm animals that kind of you know outgrow their use. Yeah. And they need somewhere to go and, yeah. and live out the rest of their days. And that's kind of her dream to have somewhere like that. But, yeah. you know, this stuff, very expensive, which is why we should support places like cactuses. So. Agreed. Yeah. I love it. Um, and and uh, again, I hope that this inspires some of you. I keep calling uh, him are, Cactus, Trevor. Well, Cactus <laughs> Sheriff. It's okay. Seems cool with it. Trevor yeah. Kerr. Oh, yeah. to beautiful Hannah, Alberta, when he wrote into me, I didn't know he's from Hannah, and, and I let him know how excited I was because my fantasy mm. hockey team, I'm just a big, huge nerd. Yeah. Um, for 25 years, we've been in this fantasy pool. It's the Hannah Haymakers. <laughs> and so I was like, buddy, I feel this like I feel this connection to, to Hannah, uh, this beautiful southern Alberta community, you know, yeah. the home of Lanny McDonald and Nickelback. <laughs> so there you go. So in our... <laughs> I'm not going to spend this show to, to talk too well, we much don't about much my show left. pretend hockey league, but uh, Lanny was our head coach for a long time, mm. and Nickelback sang the anthem in my fantasy world. I'm so. actually wondering how you're going to end the show today, because there's a lot going on. Well, I'm excited, uh, because I've been wanting to show you this for a while, and I've been wanting to tell Real Talkers about this every Monday. You know, courtesy of our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, shout out Kubi for an unbelievable holiday party on Saturday night. We had so much fun. Uh, at Provincial Pub, you know they're shutting, they're closing their doors. I know. In I heard about we, that. I didn't know. I found out that this was like we were there. We were the last party that they were ever throwing at Provincial. Nice um, little place. And, and Team Kubi was there with their installers. They're like Tesla certified installers. They were teaching me. They were schooling me up on solar and all the cool stuff. Uh, record success for Kubi this year, and th and their forecast is really bold for next year as well. As more and more people are, are realizing that it's uh, efficient and affordable to put solar on your roof. You can get your quote today at kubienergy.ca. They proudly present positive reflections. Every Monday here on the show, it's our way to focus on something positive. And sometimes, I mean, that interview with Trevor, with Cactus Sheriff there, that could have been a positive reflection. For sure. Look at all this positivity on a Monday. No, but I wanted to share this with you. I came across this Twitter account, and, and it sort of made my day, and I thought maybe I'd share it with you. It felt like a nice fit for positive reflections. So I want you to, if you're on Twitter, if you're still on Twitter... Look, you see Elon yesterday putting out a, a a survey. He wants to know if people think he should stay on or go as the head of Twitter. Did you see this? And he says he'll abide by the results of the poll. Well, can we look at the results here? You want to look? Do you have them up? Let's see what people said. 58%. There it is. Say it's time for him to step down. Time to go, bud. You think he will? He followed up with a tweet saying that nobody else could replace him. He also tweeted, like, be careful what you wish for, something like that. <laughs> <Cause> <laughs> $44 billion? Like, what's this guy getting? Like, this is like this is like a guy that bought a $44 billion car and then just crashed it into a wall. So what happened here is, you know, he tweets every day. He's got millions of followers, and mostly everyone agrees like with him. Like 100 million followers. But when you put yeah. up something people care about, the people who don't follow you hear about it, and they go, and yeah. that's what happened here. And yeah. now, look, it's like 60-40. So. 16 and a half million votes on that poll. So we'll see what that ends up meaning. Now, that's not the positive reflection. Here's the positive reflection. At doomscroll underscore bot. Have you ever seen this account? No, I it's haven't. calling the Doom Scrolling Reminder Bot. And 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 here's the deal. You know Doom Scrolling, so you you, you lay up at night and you're supposed to be going to sleep, but you can't. You're just scrolling on your social media, and they just remind you. So here's a tweet from just ten minutes ago. Hi, are you Doom Scrolling? Think of something you're grateful for in life. 
you still deserve time to rest and recover. Or what about this? Hi, are you doom scrolling? They go on to say, the website continues to be full of bad opinions and will still be here tomorrow. You still deserve time to rest and recover. They remind you that extended periods of high stress can make it hard to focus and build long-term memories, so rest and recover. I love this tweet from five hours ago. Hi, have you eaten any food today? Or what about this one? Hi, are you doom scrolling? How about taking a hot shower or a long bath? You deserve time to rest and recover. Literally every hour, this account pushes out a word of encouragement. If you're doom scrolling, for example, 12 hours ago, if you need to turn off nervous energy, if you need to burn it off, what about doing some laundry, washing the dishes, or watering some plants? You deserve time to rest and recover. I encourage you to... Isn't this great? (laughs) And I, I followed it right away. It says journaling for a few minutes, for example. Here's one from, you know, 13 hours ago. It can help you get anxious thoughts out of your head and clarify what you want to do next. What about this? If you're still doom scrolling, they say, I totally get it. But staying up late might feel helpful now, but a screen break will help your mental health more. Sleep is still important for your body to recover from the day's stressors. These are hourly reminders of the importance of looking after yourself, of resting and recovering. And we're proud to feature it in today's edition of Positive Reflections presented by our wonderful friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. Coming up on tomorrow's show, he will join me live in studio. The mayor of Edmonton, Amarjeet Sohi, on the heels of his council passing a four-year budget for the city of Edmonton. Basically, 5% increases year after year after year after year. People are talking about the bike lanes. People are talking about Edmonton walking away from their transit agreement. People are talking about that provincial task force that the mayor says is unsanctioned by council. We'll get into it all. Plus, of course, more of your messages. Lou Jobs from the 60s Scoop Indigenous Society joining us on Wednesday. And you're not going to want to miss Thursday either. We have a wonderful motivational show planned. That'll be our last show for everybody of this year, of 2022, on Friday morning. That's December 23rd. It's our annual Real Talk Patreon party exclusively for those that support the show via Patreon. You can learn more about that by checking out ryanjesperson.com slash connect. We'll see you Tuesday morning right here on Real Talk. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer, Josh Dunford, technical producer, John Hicks. General Manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.